welcome back to the DHD podcast, the Stargate episode by episode podcast with me, Callum Leslie, taking you through every episode of Stargate SG-1. This is the third episode of the podcast, episode 104, Emancipation. Thank you to everyone who listened to last week's episode on Enemy Within, and of course, anyone who's gone back and listened to Children of the Gods in the couple of weeks since we've done it. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. Start from the beginning if, if you want, I guess. Uh, thank you to everyone who said they're watching along with the show as well. There are a few people I know who are doing that. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry that I'm making you watch some of these episodes. Oh boy. Oh boy. We're going to get to some of, the, some of the things in this episode. This is, uh, well, this is certainly an episode. And this is an episode, Emancipation, which to me represents a lot of what is wrong with the early seasons of Stargate. Uh, and some of the problems with, with the show as a whole, uh, that it's generally better at skewing later on or 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 sort of glossing over in a way uh this 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 one's pretty blatant <laughs> in many ways um i really liked the enemy within the last episode i really really did and we talked about it on the podcast the horror elements the the kind of out of genre risks that were taken this is very much the standard stargate formula and i don't know if i like this episode <clears throat> you know, overall, I don't know if I like it. Um, we got a lot to get to. We got, I mean, about as much to get to as, as last week. Uh, clips from the show, and of course, some. Uh, we got well, th- this episode got a little bit of a history lesson, uh, as we of course talk about ancient cultures. I thought I'd bring some uh, some 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 knowledge on those ancient cultures as we go through. But of course, so let's let's get into this episode. The episode. This is our first off-world episode since the pilot. So we're not even starting with a departure scene. We're going to get straight into it. The episode starts with Sam coming through the gate. Uh, not being thrown through, because that's changed already. Uh, we talk, I talked about that in Children of the Gods, that everyone's thrown through the gate all the time. Um, and that changes very quickly. They just step through now, so it's fine. Everyone else is already through, and it's specifically Sam we see... Uh, coming through the gate um, because this is this is really Sam's story in many ways it's the again the, sort of the first example of a, of a team member story and we'll see that throughout the series as well there'll be Teal'c stories there'll be Daniel stories uh, Fire and Water coming up is a, is a Daniel story Hathor is a Sam story There But For The Grace of God Go I uh, is a Daniel story I think it's just There But For The Grace of God uh, is a Daniel story uh, there's the episodes where we first go, but we go back to Chulak. That's a Teal story. So we'll see these episodes throughout the series. But this is a this is a Carter story. Um, the gate is surrounded by ruins, suggesting it used to be some sort of temple. This is a recurring thing. We'll see generally throughout is that the Stargates were, of course, because they were put there by the gold, at least as we believe right now. Uh, they were put in temples. They were sites of religious or cultural significance uh the temple has been destroyed at some point there are ruins around the gate and that suggests obviously the gold haven't been back for some time looks like no one's there they're going for a little explore it's a very leafy green planet suddenly they hear dogs and a man being chased by them now these aren't wolves or or wild looking dogs they look fairly domestic um and it's never really explored where the dogs came from are they just roaming about eating people it seems like that's something that the, the people of this world would do something about but it's they, we don't really get into it it's, it's more of a device than anything else uh 
<laughs> O'Neill fires a pistol to, to chase them away and tries to communicate with the man and then realizes he speaks perfect English as does everyone on this planet. We talked about that conceit uh, in The Enemy Within that all of these people came from Earth. Now, the fact that all these people came from Earth allows them to speak English. However, uh, they didn't all come from English-speaking countries. These are Mongols uh, from Asia and, you know, the, the, all that history of Genghis Khan and, and all that. They didn't speak English. They did not speak English. They were not from English-speaking countries. And yet, all these people speak perfect English. Don't question it. It's sci-fi. Uh, this is Abu. We meet Abu. Uh, not the monkey from Aladdin. This is the guy of the Shavadai. That's the name of his tribe. Um, they've never met people from as far away as SG-1. Of course, they've come from a far away land. And this kind of this is something else that kind of bugs me in these exploration episodes, is that sometimes they're very reluctant to say they, they've come through the Stargate. Whereas later on in this episode, Carter will happily say what happens on, quote-unquote, her world, su- suggesting they're not of this planet. I can understand why they wouldn't necessarily want to reveal that straight away, but it also feels dishonest to be keeping it from them and not great for establishing relations with new cultures, but then also what impact would it have if you told them you were coming from off-world? Anyway, this is where the nonsense starts. Carter and Teal have chased off the dogs and they come back, and Abu is shocked that Carter is a woman and he can't look at her, and Daniel offers a wonderful explanation for why this might be. Is this a woman? Oh, yeah. What do do I have something growing out of my nose, or...? He looks really upset. It must be some sort of cultural thing. Three others on horses arrive, and they are also suitably shocked. Uh, and that's when Daniel observes that they're Mongols. They're horrified at Carter's womanliness, and they draw swords and bows, dramatic music swells, and that confrontation is the end of the cold open. And that's that's how we go with the with SG-1 being... With, with, SG-1 with guns being... Uh, threatened by people with bows and swords. SG-1 could wipe all of these people out straight away. And I don't really know why they're so reticent to do so if they're being threatened. For all they know, these people are going old. You know, it's doesn't 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 feel like great military strategy. Luckily, uh, an old man rides in and said he Learns that SG-1 saved Abu. Abu, he's revealed to be Abu's father. Uh, we will come to know him as, as Mughal. Mughal? Yeah, let's go with Mughal. That's the thing, that's how they pronounced it. Um, and takes them to the... Says he will take them to the village because SG-1 saved his son, but they must learn their ways. Carter, understandably, doesn't really want anything to do with this. She's like, I think we should just leave now, maybe, before... You know, this happens again. This clearly doesn't seem like a great idea for me to be here. But Daniel, not really thinking of the danger to Carter, says that this is a wonderful opportunity to study the Mongol culture up close, uh, which puts the show somewhere between oppression drama and part weird pseudo-anthropological reconstruction. So let's let's talk about this culture. These the people the the implication is that these people were transported to this world from Mongols on Earth. But that was a long time ago. These people would have been very, very early Mongols. Ra left Earth by 3000 BC. Uh, around 3000 BC. I think it's just under, just just be, just after 3000 BC. Uh, and the Mongols do exist at that point in very early forms. 
but Genghis Khan is about 4,000 years after that. So the sort of traditional Mongols that you see represented in popular culture are not who this, these people would be. They've had thousands and thousands of years to evolve on a different planet. However, as they get to the village, Daniel surmises that the Shavadai might be descendants of the Chagatai. Uh, the Chagatai was Chagatai was a region of the Mongol Empire that kept to nomadic traditions while others adapted to where they settled in Persian China, as Daniel explains it. However, that was in the 14th century, and it doesn't take a lot of research to find that out. And obviously they've done some cursory research to find these Chagatai and create this implication that they are descendants. However, it never the and this is this this is a problematic timeline for the series because it always does kind of struggle with this idea of how long ago it was that Ra left Earth. Ra left Earth, you know, nearly five thousand years ago. And what were the people that he took from Earth? Because at the point where Ra was overthrown as I say, just beyond 3000 BC, the galaxy had already been populated. So he was populate. They were po- the gold were populating the galaxy with humans from Earth before 3000 BC. So it, it's been thousands and thousands of years, and yet these populations have not evolved really in any way. The idea that these cultures are still on these planets in nomadic, primitive forms, while Obviously, the people of Earth have evolved to the modern society that we know today. Obviously, we know in 1997 at this point, you know, we have firearms, we have cell phones, we have the internet in a form uh, at this point in 1997. These people somehow have not evolved. Now, I can understand to a certain extent that the gold would have continued their oppressive you know, control over them and that would have perhaps stunted the development of the people and that the gold would have stopped the development of technology and and things like that the gold haven't been back for some time now we don't know how long some time is but that's what we were told um so what i think is interesting is that the originally when i when i looked at this at the very start of the episode i looked i did some some reading when i hadn't quite finished the episode and the women were generally treated not that badly in mongo culture I mean, I say not that badly. They, certainly, they weren't treated as badly as they are in the episode. They were allowed to be part of the armies. They were allowed certain, you know, a certain amount of rights. They were, they were obviously, it was a patriarchal society still, but it's a far cry from what we see here, which is that women are not allowed to show their faces in public. In a way, this is kind of explained later in the episode. Uh, Mogal explains that these old laws, as they call them, and that is interesting because it suggests that these laws have been around for a long long time perhaps since the time of of thousands of years ago that this was to protect women from the gold if they weren't seen in public the gold couldn't see how attractive they were to take as hosts that appears to be the 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 thinking behind it and i guess that's a that is a macguffin way of explaining why these laws exist and as we find in this early part of the episode Abu's father explains that the old laws still control things, but the team have come at a very volatile time, and he's hopeful that they will soon be replaced by a wonderful force for good, capitalism. Soon, the old laws, <clears throat> the old ways, will no longer serve us. Trade will one day replace war. This is the future. 
First, you want her intrigued by some talk of medicines they want to see, but Sam can't go until she's properly attired. Apparently, anthropologists do it all the time. Uh, of course, she's then dressed in the most ridiculous outfit possible, and this is played for comedy uh, in a kind of weird, slightly like sexist way. Abu is stunned and thinks she's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen, and runs off. Um, not to get overtly political. I mean, we're gonna like we're talking about racial politics in this episode. It's kind of unavoidable. Um, I, I mean, you know, I meant to say when we're talking about the culture, like it feels like in a lot of ways, this and other examples in the series is a fairly poor, poorly constructed racial caricature of the way women are treated in Asian societies and the way Asian societies are run. They're so backwards, they're so oppressive, whereas we are the freedom fighters of the United States military coming in to teach these people how to like treat each other better and freedom and democracy and all of that. Uh, so of course, yeah, of course the white woman is the most beautiful woman Abu's ever seen. We'll talk about that later on as well. Uh, then Kara's abducted at knife point and Daniel finds her missing in the morning. He stands outside her tent and says doctor again the doctor thing i guess it's okay for daniel to call her doctor uh because it's like a doctor to doctor thing but could also you know are they not friends by now we we find out later in the episode that this isn't the first mission they've been on uh in fact you know we don't actually find out the designation of this planet so it could well have been one of the two mentioned in enemy within but another planet designation is brought up later in the episode that they've been to and I don't think it's the same one as the the one they're talking about Enemy Within. I didn't check that. And, I, and I'm recording now, so I can't go back and check it. And I'm not really going to. Um, she's been kidnapped by Abu. Because Abu is going to trade her to another tribe. Kara is obviously horrified by this. So horrified that she comes out with her worst di- line of dialogue since reproductive organs. What do you mean by? I will trade you. Y- you can't do that. I can I'm a human being, not property. So Miguel, Abu's father, surmises that he's going to trade her and offers to help them track Abu to get Kara back. The new tribe is led by a guy called Turgan, and they look super mean. Turgan threatens to have Sam beaten if she doesn't shut up and objectifies, objectifies her in a really weird, creepy way with a knife to her neck. Uh, objectifies her even more than the guys in the other tribe. So you know he's the real bad guy. Uh, he's interested, about Abu reveals why he really wants to trade. He's got the hots for Turgan's daughter, Naya. Of course he does. Of course we've wandered into this situation. What is the luck? Now, Naya is the fairest skin episode in this person. Of the, of the people who live on the planet, she's the fairest skin person we've seen by far. Because she is played by Canadian actress Crystal Lowe. Uh, and Abu is hopelessly in love with this what, this white woman who's obviously not supposed to be white, but I mean, like, it's not like they've you know done anything to make her look not white. They've just sort of covered her face a lot. Uh, most almost all of her face is covered. Um, but again, so of course, the two most attractive women on the planet to this guy are the two white ones. Um, but unfortunately for Abu, Turgan already has plans to give her to another warlord for political purposes. Of course, he does. Uh, he offers 300 gold instead, or death. Uh, Abu wisely chooses the gold rather than death, because, you know, sure. Uh, when SG-1 and Mughal stop to rest the horses, that's when we find out a little bit more about the culture and about the history of the rules. Uh, Mughal offers to financially compensate them if they don't get Carter back, um, which is, you know, nice, I guess. Um, and he is shocked to learn that they don't own their women. Um 
where, where is this later on? Is that later on? I want to talk about that. I'm trying to think where I need to talk about this. Uh, yeah, so uh, sorry, I should have thought of this earlier on. Uh, the, this is the part where we get a little bit more explanation on the the laws and how they were made to protect women from the gold. The gold haven't come in a long time, but apparently, shock horror, there's resistance among men in changing the the laws back to how they were before they were trying to protect women. Apparently, Mughal uh, is seen as being weak by some of his people by for only having one wife and for actually loving his wife rather than keeping her as property. Um, he's He's the good guy, everyone. He's the good guy. He actually loves his wife instead of just having bought her. Uh, isn't that wonderful? So, yeah, so SG-1 and Mughal, uh, Mughal was shocked to learn they don't own women on Earth. Abu tries to convince Naya to escape with him anyway, uh, sets up a meeting for later. Uh, Naya is unconvinced because she thinks that it would be a very bad idea. Turgan tries to find out what Carter can do. Apparently she's no good at lady jobs and describes what she does in an incredibly sexist way. Where you come from, you must have done something. In my world, I am a warrior and a scholar. I do the work of men. Turgan says that these spirits have put Carter here to teach her how to behave because, of course, all ancient cultures, particularly Asian-influenced ones, are bound are guided by spirits. Again, this is something we'll see throughout... Uh, Stargate and it's sort of explained away as as certain mystical beings or, or beings of higher en- of, of energy and things like that and there are things you could describe as spirits in the series but it's always these kinds of cultures we describe them in this this way um, Naya is still very upset and not being given to Abu uh, Carter grabs a cooking knife and tries to escape but she doesn't get very far so Turgan threatens to beat the other woman for letting Carter escape she protests this and then he forcibly kisses her great full-on sexual assault in stargate just after this sg1 and mughal reach turgan's camp and mughal explains who turgan is explains where they are and that if they just go in and rescue her it'll be an act of war mughal's tribe will be wiped out he suggests they go in and offer to trade for her however and they suggest they don't do it until morning when however it sounds like leaving her there another night is not a good option for Carter. But what will happen to Dr. Carter tonight if we wait? Turgon will partake in his newest purchase. Oh, there's not a chance in hell. In our land, if a man wants a woman, she can say no. No one refuses Turgon and lives. So yeah, we're just full on talking about uh, about slaves being raped in this early episode. And I know we're still in the, the Showtime era, in the sort of R-rated era a little bit. It's not quite R-rated, but you know, it's adult themes. But it's it just feels really gross and weird. I don't like it at all. Uh, SG-1 decide not to wake, thankfully. Um, so they come in to try and trade. And as Carter sees them arrive, she starts a fire to create a distraction to allow Naya to escape and meet up with Abu as they arranged earlier. Mughal and SG-1 are having no luck convincing Turgan to sell her back, even for way more money than he originally uh, bought her for. 
Daniel then goes on this weird tangent of lies, saying she's a shaman and that the spirits speak to her and that she's a chieftain of her tribe. Bear in mind, she's only a captain in the military at this point. You know, one of any number of, you know, a very good astrophysicist. Let's not, you know, let's not demean her skills, but not a chieftain. Um, That doesn't work either. Eventually, O'Neill convinces him with a gun. So they give him a gun. Uh, and leave before Tur- with Ka- with uh, Samantha Carter before Turkin runs out of bullets. Uh, while they're resting in the evening, it's time for another needlessly sexual anecdote. You're a leaf. I've never been so happy to see you guys. Oh, sure you have. Remember that time on P3X595? You drank that stuff that made you take off. <clears throat> we won't get into that right now. Gross. Gross, 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 gross. Lots of weird sexual politics in this episode. Not just the racial stuff, but the way that the men treat Carter is very weird. And a lot of the way in which O'Neill treats Carter in these early episodes is very weird. The, um, if you think back to Children of the Gods, the I like women comment, not sure. Not sure I like the way O'Neill's written, but I guess this is the late 90s, and this is perhaps what passed this is what passed for comedy in the late 90s. In the morning, Abu arrives at the camp. Uh, Turgan caught Naya trying to escape with him, and now Naya's gonna be stoned to death. And we get a something which will become traditional in Stargate, a shall we help, shall we not philosophical dilemma. Kara wants to go in and rescue her, O'Neill th- doesn't want to start a war, and Daniel isn't sure they have the right to interfere. O'Neill does have a point that they might be doing more harm than good and that more people would die, but Daniel can do one. Putting aside the US's his history of interventionism in, geopol- in global politics, and you know, without wishing to go into all that kind of stuff, they interfere as soon as they turn up on planets. They completely change these people's way of living. As we d- discovered right at the start of the episode, even from the sort of... We don't, we don't know exactly where this lake, the, the, the sea that SG-1 say they came from actually is but it's certainly you would assume not the Stargate unless that's their name for the Stargate but there are lots of plans that go on for people they've never met anyone who came through the Stargate and the Stargate is very far from their settlements and they've never known of anyone come through except the gold or if at all sometimes the gold have never come for generations so they're, they're absolutely you know they're, they're creating first contact for these people and we've seen enough first contact films and media in uh, in the world from you know classic sci-fi to modern sci-fi to know that that fundamentally changes the way societies operate and we see here that by the end of the episode obviously they do choose to interfere by the end of the episode they've created a significant cultural change at least in the uh, the shavadai tribe and that's been done just by them turning up so just by them turning up they're they're interfering in these people's customs and potentially challenging or threatening or changing their way of life and the way that these people react to that first contact. So to say that, oh, we shouldn't, we should just stay out of it now, you're kind of already in it. This isn't like a time travel scenario where you have to try and stay as uninvolved as possible to avoid changing your own history. This is everyone else's history you're messing with, but it's all, it's the present rather than the past. So you're already in up to your elbows, why not just go in a little bit deeper and try and do good, I guess? Uh, they It's just as well they don't argue about this too long because they turn up just as the stoning is about to start. And Magal has apparently remembered an ancient law where a chieftain can challenge, a st- can challenge the ruling of another chieftain in a matter internal to his 
uh, tribe. This doesn't seem like a very sustainable law. Uh, it seems like, you know, Mughal decides to go to war and Turgon comes in and says, I challenge your decision to go to war and you can't go to war anymore. Uh, that doesn't seem like it would work. It doesn't seem like it's very effective and I, I see why this is an archaic law. But because Mughal, he's so old, Mughal's so old, he remembers all the old laws. Um, but Turgon doesn't want to fight Mughal because Mughal is old. And it seems like this was kind of the bait and switch plan that SG-1 had at all, cause if, had all along. Because if you remember, Daniel lied earlier and said that Carter was a chieftain. So she can challenge him. Now Carter can fight Tugat, can fight Turgon. So uh, that's that's... Well, that's what we end up with Carter and Turgon in a, a knife fight in the end a fight to the death apparently Mughal didn't mention it was a fight to the death he knew this all along O'Neill learns just as the fight is about to start you'd think in formulating this plan he would have been like you know it's risky because this is a fight to the death so she could die but you know if you guys still want to do it let's let's do it but I just you know got to make you aware of these things apparently that wasn't what happened didn't brief them about it. Luckily, Carter had her knife on her. Uh, the fight is on. She makes him bleed his own blood, and then he comes back a little bit, but Carter eventually gets the, the better of him quite easily. Wins, and has the knife to the throat, but Naya runs in and begs Carter not to kill him. Carter doesn't want to kill him, really, because, you know, she's a goodie. Uh, after, but after, he only, she'll only let him go on the condition that Trigan grants Naya's freedom, promises no war against the Shavadai, and let, and acknowledges that Carter has bested him. So there you go, that's that's it. That's the, the end of that. We get a wonderful closing scene where Naya and Abu are getting married, and Daniel shows us that he's truly learned something about equality from this whole episode. We all wish you and Naya many years of happiness, and many sons too and daughters as the team are leaving McCall degrees McGall decrees that the old laws have ended all the women are, are free to show their faces they take their veils off they're taking they they take down the uh, walls of the enclosed area where the women live and apparently this is how Carter will be remembered on the planet which is nice sure but again it's quite imperialist that it took uh, a, a white American woman to come in and show them all that it was time to stop treating women like crap. Couldn't they just have come up with that on their own? No. The episode ends with something which I like, which is quite cliche. It's SG-1 walking away from the camera and cracking jokes uh, that were clearly recorded in post, but it's it's fun. There's a nice line about Oprah, and I'll, I'll put that clip here as well, just, just so I'm not purely trashing all the clips in this episode. So you think this new anesthesia will be a miracle drug on Earth? Well, if it is, I bet somebody else will get the credit. We can never say where it came from. Damn. Guess I'm gonna have to cancel that Oprah interview. What is an Oprah? And that is, that's it. That's Emancipation. Episode 104. Yeah. I mean, there's some nice moments in it. The ending is nice, I guess. Like, if you don't think too much about it. Uh, Mughal is, is an interesting character, I think. I, I find him kind of interesting. The the contradiction between having to be a leader and, and what he truly believes, or his wife and or his son. Uh, I think Abu is a complete asshole. 
he kidnaps this woman and they get totally forgiven and nobody really seems to care. There's no repercussions for the fact that he kidnapped Carter. So that that I don't like. But yeah, so that that is Emancipation. That's my thoughts on Emancipation. What were your thoughts on the episode? If you've watched it, again, uh, tweet me at DHDPod. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash DHDPod. Of course, you can find us on SoundCloud as well, soundcloud.com forward slash DHDPod. The podcast is on iTunes too. Please share it with a friend. If, you, if you've got a friend who, you know, likes Stargate or likes sci-fi or, or like even just likes TV podcasts, share this with them. Maybe they'll get into Stargate. Maybe they'll re- start a rewatch of Stargate if there's someone who's watched it in the past. That would be great. If you're rewatching it, tell me. Reach out and, and let me know. And, uh, and give us your thoughts on this episode. Give us a review on iTunes as well. That'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 105. And I actually haven't looked up what episode 105 is. So sh- shall I do that live on the podcast? Let's do that. You can probably hear me typing. Season 1. What is episode 105? Oh, well. Episode 105 is the Broker Divide. You want to talk about ancient cultures, we're going to talk about them on the Broker Divide. Uh, There's a lot of real interesting stuff in these early episodes that we're going to get into. Episode 105, The Broker Divide, coming next week. Thank you very much for listening to the DHD Podcast.